good day all. This is Charlie and Layton over at Irreligiosophy. We welcome you for another podcast. Online today we have uh, Adele Sackler. Now we've had her before, but uh, some of her beliefs actually fascinate us, so we thought we'd have her back again. So, how are you doing, Adele? I'm doing good, thank you. How are you guys doing? I think we already covered that and it wasn't uh, good. (laughs) We're all right. I'm all right. I don't know about Layton. Uh, Well, you know, I have to deal with him, so... Oh. Keep it, keep the love, keep the love. She, she so, has sympathy for me. It's a good thing this isn't a video podcast because Layton is not actually wearing any clothes right now. Well, oh that, my that was a requirement from you, so <laughs> I, I'm just doing what I'm told. He's in like pajamas and a t-shirt. You couldn't have dressed up for the podcast. You're, oh wow! You're in shorts and a t-shirt. How's <laughs> that any better? Is it warm out there where y'all are in Utah? It, it, today no, is. No, it isn't. Yeah, it, is. it is not. It's sunshine. It's it's like sunshiny and forty degrees. That no, is forty. Oh wow! It jumped up to like seventy degrees here. Where where are you? Richmond, Virginia, two hours south of DC. Actually, we got hit in that snowstorm on Monday. Oh, that's right. Did you lose power? Uh, no, thankfully we didn't. We had um, but we had like eight to ten inches of snow. It was awesome. It was our first big snowfall of the year. That's fantastic. Park City got hit with a bunch of snow, but Salt Lake's pretty much empty. Empty. Yeah. I like heat, so I'm I'm good with no snow. That's actually <laughs> one of the first things we want to talk about. Salt Lake. Uh, Chris Butters, our our nice representative here in South Jordan. He came out. Uh, was it last week? Uh, two weeks ago? Yeah, about two weeks ago. Uh, in an interview that I can't wait to see this documentary. He made a bunch of comments. Um, that he actually lost his judicial chairmanship over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the first time he made comments, uh, you know the quote better than I do about the black babies. He, he was talking about uh, a school. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, he's talking oh, it's about pretty bad. A budget, um, budget bill, and he said that uh, this baby is black. This is a dark, ugly thing. And so oh my got, gosh! Uh, he got in a lot of trouble over that. He had to meet with the NAACP, I think. Um, and it kind of smoothed that over, but it didn't cause as many problems as this one, probably because he now has that history of being well, an idiot. Not only that, but I think they actually forced him to do sensitivity training. Yeah, and we can all see too. how well it went with this uh, comment <laughs> that the gays are the ones who are the biggest threat to America. Yeah. That's just asinine. It's just asinine. Can, can most people, you think, see what an asinine statement that is? I think so, actually. Um, I think that most of his, in my neighborhood, were mostly filled with ultra-conservative people, and that's why he's our representative, right? So I think he probably does reflect the views of South Jordan, West Jordan, and Harriman, his three districts. Sadly, I would say that he actually, a lot of people actually agree with him, but uh, they just kind of hide under the fact that, oh, it's not politically correct, because they did a a television interview where they walked around and they talked to people, and a lot of people, especially in this neighborhood you were talking about, were like, "Well, yeah, we can stand behind him. That's that's his freedom of speech, and uh, and you know we uh, we believe that being gay is morally repugnant." So. Right. There were letters to the editor saying that um, thank God someone finally uh, speaks out, you know, and, and says stuff that I believe in. So around here, I think wow. it is, uh, in Salt Lake City or Park City, um, the more cosmopolitan places in Utah, uh, you get really in trouble for saying stuff like that. And I think uh, he did. Even the Republicans who are not known for uh, 
uh, being gay friendly, um, called them to the carpet on it. You know, Mike Waddup, mm. who's the Senate chairman, initially said that he has his perfect right to freedom of speech and he can say this stuff, but a couple days later he uh, uh, called a meeting and took away his judicial chairmanship. Well, that's good, you know, because freedom of speech is freedom of speech, but you also don't just spew things out all over the place and there should be sometimes consequences because right. that's hateful sounding. <laughs> I absolutely think he has a right to say it, but we also have a right to uh, call him an idiot for it, call him a carpet. And, and uh, one of the nice things about the, the country, I think, is that you do have freedom of speech, but those consequences that follow are also perfectly free. So <laughs> yes. if, um, if you make this, and he hasn't retracted any of this. He has stood and by he every single word that he said, you know. And did he never? Did he ever retract the about the black babies? That he did. He, he did go back and apologize for it. On this one, they actually interviewed him. Uh, I saw a video of this. It was it was somewhat repugnant yet entertaining for me to stand by and watch. But he, the, the interviewer, walks up and says, "You know, the gay community, although it would not really mend things, they would like an apology." And he actually looks up deadpan in the camera and says, "Well, they ain't gonna get one." Yeah. I don't oh think he even gosh. understands what he would be apologizing for. No. And it makes me wonder if when he apologized for the black babies, was he apologizing because he really meant it or because he got caught? Because he got caught. I think that was a clear case of uh, political maneuvering. Mm. Yeah. Oh, but, man. You know, you're, um, the, the gay demographic, especially within Republican circles, I'm surprised he got any grief over it at all because they don't exactly cater to the gay demographic but yeah that's they they have been losing tourism because of uh proposition eight you know um a lot of gay oh, groups really? have, have canceled their uh trips to utah mm. and a lot of our economy here in utah is based on tourism so i think that's where they're gonna get them in the wallet and if they really believe in it then they'll sacrifice uh some money for it but i, re I don't think that they believe in it deeply enough yeah. to suffer mm. a bad economy. Well, see, that's affecting us here. And what I'm very curious about is on your side of the country, Adele, you're in, you're in Virginia, and, I mean, you're kind of hearing about uh, Butter's comments and you're, you're dealing with Prop 8. How is it affecting you over on your side, and, I mean, especially with your side of the fence? Well, you know, for me personally or, like, well, I'm interested in finding out, because this made national news, right? You heard about it. Oh, yeah, I heard about it, and I hear about I follow a lot of um, gay news blogs, and they're just blogging like crazy about it. Um, you know, I heard it on, like, MSNBC here, but, um, you know, you don't hear, like, our state, Virginia, is very conservative when it comes to gay issues. They, they voted up for a few, a couple years ago, a prop to make marriage between one man and one woman. And so it's very conservative in that way. And um, even though there are, I think, the more liberal part of Virginia is Northern Virginia by D.C. And that's the so, fake Virginia, right? That's not the Yeah, the fake Virginia, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Where the communists live, you know? <laughs> and um, so, and then on, and Prop 8, you know, people, um, there's a, a movement called Join the Impact that these, um, I think these two lesbians started right after the passage of Prop 8 in November. And it's been a, I don't know if you've heard about it, all the, like the different protests nationwide that have taken place all over that, that was organized by them. And, um, so there's a group of, of gay, you know, people here, we get together and organize and do things, but, um, 
people are outraged about Prop 8 and, you know, in, in the gay community about Butters because it's just, I mean, he sounds stupid in it, but it's it's hurtful. And it's like it's like after 9-11 when, um, I think it was the day after when Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson said um, a, a part of the blame for 9-11 was the gays. You, you know, it just sounds idiotic, but there are those people who agree with them. And that's, you know, that's really sad. Again, you know, I, I remember that comment and I, I would, I remember thinking, what is the connection? <laughs> yeah. I can understand, um, railing against foreign policy that supported Israel, um, very, very one-sided and, and having that come back in and, and hit us, uh, in 9-11. But I don't know how you, uh, except for your own personal hatred of it, and now you think, oh, great, I've got a, a national disaster that I can somehow blame on these people that I don't like. I mean, yeah. there really is no other connection. Yeah, and they blame, someone blamed Hurricane Katrina on the gays, and I'm like, <laughs> if you're going to blame the gays for everything, then the earth would just be shattered, you know, and wouldn't exist anymore. Well, <laughs> see, it really reminds me of, do you remember an early Christianity where... Um, There'd be a natural disaster. I think it was Justin the Martyr who was writing this. Uh, there'd be a natural disaster in a community. There'd be a flood. There'd be an earthquake. And immediately they would blame the Christians because they didn't believe in their yeah. gods. And so they're yes. obviously angering their gods. And uh, the Christians, they then they'd have this wave of persecution against the Christians. <laughs> and yeah. Justin Martyr was saying how unfair this was. Um, you know, because every time it happened, uh, and they were actually calling them atheists because they didn't believe in they their gods. They were atheistic their toward their gods. Well, I mean, everybody's atheist against one god or another. Right. So, yes, so. yes, that's that's wild. It's that's uh, crazy. It, it reminds me, and, and these people just don't know their own history, right? Yeah. I mean, these guys are by and large Christian preachers, or butters this um, prominent Mormon douchebag. Yeah, well, is he a Mormon? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely a Mormon. Mm. In, oh. in fact, I'm pretty sure my parents probably support his words, unfortunately. Wow. wow. <laughs> now, the interesting thing is, is I don't think Butters or anybody else out there who's uh, going on this anti-gay movement thing even realizes that all they're doing is putting forth the necessity to protect the gay rights. I mean, they're really forcing what they're trying to fight against by persecuting. You know, that's a very yes. good point. I think Proposition 8 is probably going to turn out to be a positive thing because yeah. it really mobilizes that community it's a real wake-up call you know this fight isn't over yes yes and did you i didn't get to hear any of the um the court hearings the other day did you happen to listen to any of them i haven't caught just, no neither did I. I just heard that um it's not looking good like uh, that they probably will keep prop eight but allow the marriages that took place uh between may and november the, the, last I, the last I heard was that two of the justices who supported um, the initial uh, uh, gay marriage movement that, that moved it forward and made it legal have now changed their minds and they, they won't um, support overturning Proposition yeah. 8 on basic constitutional grounds. Yeah, they're saying that you can't take away what, you know, majority to vote. And I'm like, right. they well, are, if you do that, then we may not have, you know... Um, marriage between blacks and whites today. You know? Right. They, they have deep reservations about overturning a public proposition, but I think that the, um, the reason for overturning it is clear. You cannot vote away basic civil rights. That's why we're a republic and not a democracy. 
You yes. have constitutional guarantees that cannot be voted away, and it seems to me that the right to marry uh, should be one of them. Well, see, yes. most people don't even understand the difference between a republic and a democracy. So as, as far as people nowadays are seeing, they are seeing this as taking away the rights, and they don't even realize whose rights are being taken away from. They see it as theirs, and... They don't yeah. see it. The, yeah. the people who are against it do not see this as a rights issue. They see this as yet another special interest group wanting special privileges and to redefine the definition of marriage, which has always been between a man and a woman. Yeah. Except, of yeah. course, in the Old Testament when it was between a man and a woman and a woman and a woman and a woman. Exactly. And when a woman was just property, you know. Yes. You mean that's changed? <laughs> they, they found constitutional, they, they found these contractual agreements uh, in the uh, Middle East where it was a woman's duty if she could not uh, provide children for the man. Yeah, to find She would have to seek out and find a second wife who could. Yep. Um, so they're, they're kind of barely above pets, really. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. I was watching um, uh, John Stewart Daily Show the other day, and he was interviewing um, Sandra Day O'Connor. Oh, yeah. You know, was, oh, yeah. he retired three years ago from the Supreme Court. She's a spitfire. And she started a website about um, civics to educate people because she said more and more states are getting away and not teaching civics and government in schools. And I forget what the percentage she was. It was it was crazy big, but that um, people in this country don't know the three branches of government, and yeah. they're not teaching that in school. It's just sad. Certainly, George Bush was unclear on the three branches and checks and balances whole time. Yes, yes, he was <laughs> unclear. Or just ignored it. Uh, uh, I think Karl Rove and Dick Cheney ignored it. Uh, Donald yeah. Rumsfeld, but I think Bush. I don't think I think he got his advice from all those guys. I honestly don't think he's smart enough to grasp. Yes, that, I agree. That. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh. so I would agree. I would agree that you know we need to teach people. Um, you, we're not a undiluted, pure democracy, right? Where you could vote away people's rights. If you know ten people get together and nine people want this guy's house, well, he's out of luck, right? Yeah, um, yeah. We are a republic. We have guarantees uh, against the majority taking advantage of the minority, uh, and that is that is at the foundation of our government. Uh, I agree, uh, and I think that that they're saying that this is going to set a terrible precedent. Where, like, say a group of people who don't say they don't like Muslim people, they could put a, a, a proposition on there to take away their religious rights, and if the majority of the state were to vote okay, well, then that can happen. Uh, absolutely, and, it, and we we throw out the entire republic, and we go back to a direct democracy or a representative. Yeah. Well, I think we should bring back the ancient Greek tradition of the exile vote. <laughs> so we send Bush out of the country for yeah. ten years. Yeah, basically, if we don't like somebody, we can put them up for the exile vote, and everybody votes. And hey, you have to leave for ten years. Sorry. The, the first people that would go would be atheists, and followed quickly by gays. I think. Exactly. Exactly. All right, that that might, would backfire that might shoot us very quickly. <laughs> might shoot us all in the foot. <laughs> but it'd be entertaining, nevertheless. <laughs> well, I'm curious, Adele. I mean. What have you been doing personally? I, I mean, I know you say that you uh, you float around to other uh, gay blogs to kind of listen to what's being said about butters and Prop 8. I mean, are you doing anything personally to push the cause? Well, I have done, um, I've done some protesting before, not in direct to butters, but, um, and I have uh, 
you know, called, you know, like when things have come up in Congress, you know, like the Matthew Shepard Act and, and um, the hate, which is hate crimes legislation. I've called my legislators. Um, I've, I've written, you know, emails and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so other than that, you know, and then I'll, I'll blog about these things as well. That's what, what I have been doing. So now, uh, how do you feel about hate crime legislation? Like, because I have changed my mind on that in the past 10 years. I used to be against it. I used to think that if the crime is the same, uh, then the punishment should be the same. And uh -huh. hate, hate crimes put it into a different category where you commit, say, murder against a gay person and it's just purely because they were gay and that would make it more of a crime. And I've actually changed my mind. I think that the problem with hate crime is that it's not a crime just against one person. It's a crime against the entire community. And that, yes. should, have, that should carry additional... Oh, I, I used to be against it, too, and now I'm, I'm for it. Especially, you know, I don't, did you hear about the lady that was um, in the Bay Area that was targeted because she was a lesbian and she was um, raped and attacked? No, and I then about that. No, neither did I. Yeah, and the, um, the young Latino man in New York that was walking arm-in-arm -arm with his brother, straight, not even gay. Man, and was I did hear about. And they he was beaten, and then yeah, he died. Yeah. yeah, and then he died. I, I, there's just those are there's stories like that all over the place, and I'm totally for the Matthew Shepard um, hate crimes bill, and I think it will pass. And um, Obama has promised to sign it into legislation. So good. What I didn't understand was the underlying logic behind it. Um, yeah, the yeah, logic yeah. Is you're specifically targeting? It's almost like a terrorist act. You're targeting a specific group to put yeah. fear into them and prevent them from saying holding hands in public or. Yeah, seeing that they're gay, and that should carry additional penalties. Yeah. Well, I mean, my personal I, opinion on the whole thing is you have people out there that are driven by their own fear. I mean, take Butters, the Sodom and Gomorrah thing. Now it's all over the world, therefore God's going to destroy the yeah, world. Yeah, that was funny. Did you hear that comment, Adele? He said that no. um, Sodom and Gomorrah was a localized phenomenon, but dear God, this is worldwide. <laughs> so he actually thinks Sodom and Gomorrah um, was destroyed with Hell stones and rim fire and because of homosexuality. Fire because of homosexuality. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure the angels are actually in Butter's house right now, and when the gays come over to rape the angels, that Butter's, Butters is sending her. out his daughters. Yeah, Butter's so, daughters. Please rape them instead. <laughs> you know, it's funny because he forgets. He remembers the Sodom and Gomorrah story, but he forgets the before and the after. After that, the daughters thought that he was the only one alive in the world, and they had to repopulate it. So they got him drunk and on successive nights slept with him and bore children. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful scripture story that I, I actually cherish at night. I read this to my children at night. <laughs> <And> again, <laughs> another one of those reasons why this, this isn't exactly a PG uh, book here that we're talking about. Yeah. When I, whenever I hear his name, I think, because I, I think there's a little character on uh, South Park named Butters. There is. <laughs> and I always think of that little character when I hear his name. <laughs> I love South Park. I no, that's what fantastic. I about. <laughs> um, what were you talking about? Oh, these oh. people that are driven by fear, like others. Yeah. yeah, basically, these people are driven by fear, and because of this fear, they take a look at it. And I mean, everybody who goes out there and performs a hate crime, they are measuring the consequences against their beliefs. And mm -hmm. uh, my personal opinion is to have more severe hate crimes, um, or excuse me, more severe punishment on hate crimes, puts that bar just a little bit higher up keeps people yes. back a little bit farther away because now 
they have to look at it and think, oh, well, this is a little bit more severe, and therefore maybe I should bite my tongue. Well, it is, yeah. it is in a separate category, and if you're trying to deter, deter an action, it's not the, the beating or the, the murder or that sort of behavior you're trying to deter. You're trying to deter doing that because that they're gay, right? Yeah. Um, you have penalties already for murder and, and rape and, and assault. Um, but the penalties you're, you're putting on are because of that hateful behavior, that, that that's the cause of the assault. That's what you're trying yes. to deter. Is there, is there hate crime legislation for African-American people? Yes. Yeah, because they're a, they're a minority and they're being right. targeted. Right. So yeah. if someone puts a cross at burning on their lawn, they can be prosecuted under hate crime legislation. Absolutely. And is that a federal legislation? That I don't know. No, I don't. Uh, you could probably get away with it in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's where people who want to get away with things, I guess, should move to, huh? Yeah, yeah. Utah is <laughs> fairly behind the times. They're trying to catch up, though, because I think we're realizing that a lot of our economy is driven by tourism. It's a huge part. That's why we wanted the Olympics so bad. Well, I mean, that's not exactly a high point for Utah. The only reason why they're trying to get towards the time is because they realize their wallets are a little bit lighter. I yeah. mean, that's not but exactly a compliment. Again, this is, um, you know, how much do you believe in it? Are you really, are you really, really Mormon because you deeply believe in it or because you have social and, and financial advantages? Now, curiously enough, uh, I know the Catholic Church flat out came out and said, you know what, you should not support gays. Uh, the Mormon church, obviously with Prop A, they say gays are bad, but have, has the Mormon church actually come out and said, you should not support gays? I know there was that one guy who was uh, excommunicated because he was uh, against Prop A. The Mormon church... Um, really? I didn't know that. Mormon church believes that you hate the sin but love the sinner. So as long as you, you, it's okay to be gay, but just don't act on it. <laughs> right. Which I just heard today from someone that was, was it, that was said by Gandhi? Is love that the, right? Hate oh, the sin, hate love the, the sinner. Love the sinner, yeah. Yeah, and the person, um, she's, um, she said, does anyone ever hear that phrase, um, um, to any sin besides homosexuality? <laughs> and I said, I don't ever, it's always about homosexuality. That's a good point. Uh, I think you're right. I think that's pretty much the only, it's like a case of special pleading, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've never heard that for a murderer. Oh, you killed him. Well, hate the sin. I still love you. I still love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that you're trying to keep these guys or girls celibate. Excuse um, me, it's guys. We've already determined that if you're lesbian, you found okay. a loophole. It's a okay. loophole in the Bible. <laughs> um, but still, a homosexual, like... Uh, the church certainly doesn't approve of lesbian behavior. Uh, that's just because they haven't figured out the loophole yet. I think it's, uh, this stems from the church being ruled by 95-year-old white men. I think so. I agree. And when they die off, maybe it'll, it'll catch up. The problem is their uh, means of succession in the LDS church is mm -hmm. the length of time they spend in the Quorum of the Seventies and then yeah. the Apostleship. So if you mm. spend, uh, you know, it was kind of over as far as Brigham Young taking it because Joseph Smith was young, Brigham Young was young, uh, but he ruled the church for about 33 years, and then John Taylor was fairly old, Wilford Woodruff, and I think everyone, everyone just that got one. old, really old. One of the specific reasons they had Thomas Monson as an apostle mm -hmm. was so that they could get some young blood in there, but these guys live so long, now he's just as old as the rest of them. 
Well, so wow. I'm somewhat curious. Are you trying to say that the minorities aren't stupid enough to join the quorum and therefore they stay away from it? They're not selected. They're not selected. They're not, selected. Uh, they're not because it's appointed, right? That's very I true. Think, um, you know, that's a very good point. Are there any minorities in the higher-ups of the LDS church? Wow. Uh, no. <laughs> are, are there? I didn't know there were minorities in the, the Mormon church. I thought it was all white. Well, actually, that's a very curious statement because um, I don't know how much you know about the LDS Church, but they believe that uh, the Native Americans here are actually Israelites who have come across the ocean, uh, uh, was it 600 B.C., and that uh, they were cursed by God for darker skin, no surprise. (laughs) And uh, so basically there is actual uh, uh, scripture in the, the LDS Bible that states that uh, the Lamanites, as they were called, the Native Americans, will actually turn back to God and become very righteous. And so there's actually a great push, especially in the Polynesian islands, because they technically, I guess, are Lamanites as well, as well as the Native Americans. So there are quite a few minorities, but I have never considered the fact that there are absolutely no minorities in the higher-ups in the LDS Church. Hmm. Yeah, the, it's all pretty much, if you look at General Conference, it's just this sea of white faces. The closest hmm. you'll get is there's a German apostle. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, uh, Hitler was after the perfect race, so we can say they'd, that Germans are close. They'd rather have Nazis than black people, I suppose. Although, part of it's self-selection because um, the LDS Church has a history of institutionalized racism all the way up until 1978. Wow. It would be very, I mean, Brigham Young had a, a policy of you could not have a drop of, of Negro blood, Negro is what blood in you yeah. to have the priesthood. You couldn't have it. Wow. And uh, 1978, well past the civil rights movement, they finally got together and agreed that, um, all right, you guys can have it. Now, curious enough, Adele, I want to find out your reaction on this. Now, the reason why the LDS Church says that they waited until 1978 to pass that the uh, the Negroes or African Americans, blacks, whatever you want to call them, got the priesthood was because the white people in the LDS Church weren't ready to allow the blacks to have the priesthood. What is your reaction to that? I think that's um, that's a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're ready or not, it's it's a civil rights issue. It's you know it's inequality. And it's racism. It's, you know, it's like people today saying, well, we're not ready um, for the gays to have these rights. But that's inequality. You know, we're human beings. I like how God just waits for the white people to be ready for everything. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Goodness gracious. I don't want to offend the white folks. (laughs) No, no. That's just, that's that's sad to me. It's It's ridiculous. It's it's arrogant. Um, And it's really against their own scriptures because God's supposed to not be a respecter of persons. Right. That's right. So That's why right. You respect the white people and not the black people. Well, I mean, that could be said towards the gay movement as well. I mean, why is God a respecter of persons? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which is one of the reasons I, I kind of like this new emerging Christianity, right? Uh, he's no longer this God of that you have to, I don't know, kind of apologize for. Yeah. Yeah. He's not yeah. a God that hangs out with a bunch of old white people and. Old white males, really, the patriarchal system. Yeah. Oh, down with the patriarchal system. That's 
I, I don't. I wonder what the future of the Catholic Church is. You know, with these these old people. I you know I know they're down in numbers with, with people joining the priesthood, and you know it's just I'm curious if it if it's ever gonna either are they gonna change with the times or are they gonna be like the Republican Party and uh, you know try to stay the same and um, die out and be irrelevant. Yeah, I think they they really have to. They're gonna pretty soon be facing an extinction. Um, if they don't change, if they don't adapt. Right, I mean, that's that's not necessarily the uh, the Catholic Church strong point. I mean, look how many years it takes them to even pass something and say, oh, by the way, we were wrong for imprisoning this astrologer. Yeah. Well, yeah. churches in general, once you have a hierarchical power structure, they tend to be conservative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, hell, the civil rights movement was over by the early 70s, and it still took them 10 more years to <laughs> so, oh, okay, all right. God finally came all around. That's so sad. Yeah, it really is. Um, uh, I think you'll see in the future, we probably won't live long enough. No. But you'll see female priests, and you'll see um, gay priests ordained in the Catholic Church. Uh, and if they don't, I think they, they just will kind of wither away uh, either wither away or just become irrelevant yeah yeah i agree oh i just th i just think it's it it's sad you know and i think if you're if you're gonna be a catholic priest you're gonna be celibate anyway so what is wrong with you know ordaining and having a gay priest you know I don't get it either. You know, Hero. that's actually a very good point. I've never even considered that. So, I mean, what's the harm? Would, would not ordaining him actually protect him against his gay, sinful no, ways? Uh, no, and that's the problem. I think the problem is celibacy, period. I you think know, it is a... Uh, yeah, I agree. Is a is a normal human expression. Why? Yeah. Why would you want to suppress that? And I think the problem with molestation and, and this stuff is that they are suppressing this so much... That it's gonna, uh, it's wound gonna come up, out it's some way. There's got to be yeah. some outlet for it. I agree, and I think they should they should allow priests to marry, Absolutely. and take the celibacy thing away. Absolutely, I think it is a legacy of, of horrible, horrible actions. Well, now, curiously enough, I mean, we all hear about the Catholic priests molesting uh, boys or whatever. What about these poor nuns? I mean. <laughs> What is oh, it we're yeah. not hearing about that's going on over that way? You think they're getting uh, taking advantage of the nuns? You think, <laughs> or do you think nuns are taking advantage of like boys? I'm thinking nuns are taking advantage of something because I mean, yeah. really, this, this is a deep-seated human desire to pass on our genes, and by mm -hmm. just burying that, it's bound to have uh, repercussions. That's because there's a whole porn genre with female prisons and female prison guards. Mm -hmm. Do you think there'd be a porn genre with just nuns because it's a cloister of just females? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's something you ought to consider doing on the side. <laughs> I think we may have found a business to make us <laughs> I think so. Porn porn. That could make us a lot of money. <laughs> there you go. Uh, excuse me, Adele. We have to end this. We have to go find some nuns. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, this got to be um, at exactly as hard um, on nuns this vow of celibacy and chastity as it is on the priests. I yeah, just get it rid of it entirely. This whole bride of Christ thing is is kind of ridiculous, isn't it? I I agree. It's well, just um, it's just like a, a very responsive <laughs> husband. Well, curiously no. enough, 
if you are a bride of Christ, does that mean that Christ is a polygamist? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about it. Catholicism is the biggest Catholicism is the biggest. I mean, how many nuns have passed through as the bride of Christ since, I mean, the yeah. beginning of Christianity? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, call up the U.S. Senate and discuss the uh, polygamy issue there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> is, um... Have you guys seen that show on cable, um, uh, Big Love? I haven't seen. No. You know what it is about the about yeah. the the guy who's married to all the different wives. Right. The yeah. series. Yeah. yeah, I was just curious how 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 close that was to being accurate, and what they because um, they're like a, a a Mormon sect that believes in polygamy. I mean, is that so big and in? in um, in your in your state, there um, there are estimates. It's it's hard to figure out, hard to pin down because it's illegal. So they um, hide it very well. So mm. there are estimates that there are still about anywhere from ten to thirty thousand polygamous families in the state of Utah. Now, curiously enough, I grew up in the mountains, and uh, about two miles away from us, back hidden in some trees, was a house that had polygamists in it. Wow. And also in my history. Uh, I, I don't do much genealogy research. It kind of bores me. But uh, in my history, as I understand it, my great-grandfather actually pulled away from the LDS church and started one of these uh, polygamous colonies in himself. In fact, I get, as I understand it, he was one of the largest uh, uh, supporters and people to bring this about. So wow. I, would, I would have to say that it is prevalent, but... I don't know how prevalent it is because they hide it very well. Huh. The Allreds are a major polygamous clan. Yeah. Wow. I'll have to Google that. And interestingly <laughs> enough, my um, part of my family is polygamist also. Um, wow. I was, I was raised to believe that it is necessary to, to have more than one wife to uh, get into the highest level of the celestial kingdom. Wow. And that was taught by the church all the way from 1852 officially to 1890 when they had the first manifesto. Uh, and then they got rid of it. And then they got rid of it again in 1904. Wow. <laughs> and when, when did we outlaw polygamy in this country? It was never legal. There was it was a, never there was, legal. There was a fuzzy time uh, between 1844 or 45 when the Mormons moved to the territory of Deseret. Uh, up until the passage of the Edmonds-Tucker Act, which officially, because they were a territory, they weren't a state. Uh, Edmonds-Tucker Act, I think of 1878? I think it was in the 1870s they passed it, um, where it outlawed them, uh, outlawed polygamy in the territories as well. And I believe that was the reason that the federal government came and they were going to... Uh, Annihilate them. Yeah, they were going to move yeah. in, and they forcibly removed Brigham Young, or he stepped down from being governor wow. Deseret. Yeah. Now, technically speaking, I mean, no offense to you, Adele, but I don't know how a man can deal with more than one woman. <laughs> I don't either. I, I mean, uh, I love my woman to death, but uh, you know, sometimes with her and her family, I just kind of raise an eyebrow and go, I, I, I don't know how a man can deal with more than one. <laughs> well, that's why I don't understand. You know, people who um, have open relationships, you know, and are polyamorous and I respect that, that they have that freedom to do that and all that, but I don't get it. I, I have enough trouble just maintaining one relationship. As long yeah. as everyone's adults and everyone's fully apprised of, 
yeah. everything that's going on. Yeah. I don't really see exactly. Yes, yeah, consenting sure. adults and that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I personally, I don't have the energy or the desire to do that. So I, you know, I, it takes all my energy for one relationship, and and you know, that's that's all I can handle. Yeah. My uh, sister, who's um, fairly heavily involved in rights for polygamists uh, in the state of Utah. She, I think she's um, one of the principal people in Voices in Harmony, I think. Yeah. Polygamous-wise. yeah. So uh, is she a polygamist herself? She used to be. Okay. She was until the first wife w- got divorced. And uh, interesting enough, I think she set up one of the principal anti-polygamy uh, organizations <laughs> in the state of Utah called wow. Tapestry of Polygamy. All I got to say is your sister's husband is really splitting it right down the middle, isn't he? Someone of a polarizing figure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she is actually very pro-gay rights because she realizes that um, if the United States as a country grants uh, marriage rights to gays, then polygamy cannot be very far behind. Mm, mm. That's, what the, that's what the argument on the right is towards gays. You start allowing gays to get married, then you'll start having polygamy. And, right. Because it's you know, all about consenting adults. Yeah, um, and w- to which I say, fine, but you better be able to pay for all the wives and all the children that you end yes. up marrying and producing. Yeah, see, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm of the same mind. You can do whatever you want as long as it's not hurting yourself or hurting anybody else. They all have to be aware and consenting to exactly. the relationship. Exactly. And but if they start living off of welfare because they've got twenty some odd children, I mean that's right. when it really starts hurting other people. Do not and ask me not right. to support your wacky religious beliefs. Um, yeah, with my taxes. Yes, um, I, I, I would have to draw the line there. It would be a very difficult line because now these these, these are children and wives that need to be taken care of, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you do? Um, you ship them I think off to the Philippines. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's one solution. Yeah, yeah, it it's a problem that exists right now, and right now I think what happens is the polygamous guys have one wife on the books, and then three or four that are uh, not on the books, and they they claim welfare because they're single mothers with you know five six children. Um, so it'd be nice to bring that out to and have it debated uh, in the open. What mm. do we do? It, it, and if polygamy is illegal right now, how do they? Are they just getting married within their sect? Yes. And then, and then, are they just doing um, legal paperwork then with an attorney? Yes. Kind yes. of like gays are doing now. Well, they have um, one uh, marriage license that's issued by the state, and then the rest of them are spiritual marriages by whoever oh. um, is willing to do those, perform those. Okay. And then they just fill out paperwork as single mothers because, uh, essentially, in the eyes of the state, they are. Single mothers. They're, they're, I guess, mistresses, right? Yeah. They don't yeah. have any official uh, well, I mean, standing. Speaking of the spiritual marriages, I mean, in all honesty, if you really look at the LDS religion as a whole, they are still polygamous. And uh, the reason why I say this is this is actually something we discussed in the podcast that, uh, that went up this last Friday, is that, uh, see, how the LDS church works is they get married... Uh, here on earth, but then they go into the temple and they get married for all time and eternity. Well, if that marriage uh, breaks up and they get a divorce, the man is still spiritually married to this woman. 
And he can go and marry another woman and marry her for all time and eternity and then have her spiritual polygamy. This is another example of the patriarchal system, right? A man can get uh, remarried without getting a temple divorce. A woman cannot. She has to get a temple divorce and has to be resealed to the second guy. Wow. But a man can be sealed to 50 women if he wants to without getting a single wow. temple divorce. Uh, <laughs> and the side effect of this kind of plasticity of Mormon marriages is mm-hmm. that um, I'm not I'm sealed for time to my wife, but not for eternity. So when she gets up into heaven, she will be taken away from me and given to a more worthy male. Yeah. So she'll probably wow. be like the 92nd wife of um, Brigham Young or somebody. Yeah. Or, or the two millionth wife to Christ. I mean, yeah. after all, he's still married. She's gonna have to get in line behind a lot of Catholics for that. One. Yeah. And uh, then you'll have a then you'll have would have a wife that you're better than what she was married to. No, well, I'd be I'd be alone in the actually, uh, lowest kingdom. Yeah, me and oh. Charlie, we're atheists. We don't even get to go to heaven. We have yeah. to live in a kingdom that's kind of like this earth. I'll get okay. married to Leighton if they legalize gay marriage in the Celestial Kingdom. Uh, you don't spork very well, so I don't know <laughs> if I want to marry you. <laughs> so, so, and so, for Mormons, you if you are not believers, you live here on Earth for eternity. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You, what it is is um, the. It's funny uh, how if, they class it. If you believe in Jesus but not in Mormonism, essentially you go to the second kingdom. Okay. But if you don't believe in Jesus, you're stuck on the third kingdom, which is essentially Earth. Yeah, Earth for okay. murderers, rapists, atheists, and I think gays are even tossed in there. Uh, wow. If you believe, if you believe in God. Oh, if you believe you just, the gays, a, still they believe up, that it's a sin that you can repent for. Right. The only sin that you uh, can is a sin against the Holy Ghost, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. That's like in Christianity. Well, they have a lot of Christian, you have a lot of Christian beliefs within Mormonism. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's a carryover. They just interpret a bunch of stuff differently. Okay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Have we convinced you to join Mormonism? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to move out to Utah right now and sign up. Sign me up. (laughs) I'm dotted line. You could share an eternity with Chris Butters. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I All right. see you as his 20th wife. This, <laughs> this is one of those things, you know, if, if Thomas S. Monson and Chris Butters are in the Celestial Kingdom, why would anyone else want to be in there? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that would be scary. That would be hell. That would be hell. <laughs> right. That would be like the Celestial Kingdom. Like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're your punishment. We're your punishment. <laughs> no, you guys are ruling our world just because yeah. we're atheists. We're damn it. <laughs> I'd rather be on earth with you guys. All right. Well, we've started our own religion already. Look how well we're doing. There you go. The the, I don't want to go to heaven with Chris Butter's religion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, um, uh, now, uh, Charlie's wife, she doesn't like what we're doing because uh, she says we're tearing down people's beliefs. And we try to point out that her LDS church sends out thousands and thousands of missionaries a year, and me and Charlie are just two missionaries for yeah. atheism. We're just so. atheist missionaries, that's all. That's right, that's right. I think you point out, I don't think you're tearing down so much as you're pointing out yeah. just, you know, inconsistencies or ignorant things about them, you know? I, I think it's a critique, and I think sometimes we have to critique things, so. Well, and I mean, yeah. if you take a look on our site, we actually had a, a woman by the name of Jennifer hop on there, and uh, she started, uh, I, I, I don't know if we should call it blasting us, but she was trying to call us to repentance, which has actually happened a couple times, very entertaining. 
But I mean, uh, I mean, what it comes down to is uh, is a lot of people actually believe that because we're talking about our atheistic beliefs, I, well, I don't even know if you can call it a belief, but uh, just worldview, world view, that uh, that we're tearing down other people for even bringing it forward. Well, that's yeah. it's kind of similar with um, there, there's an argument uh, between the the new atheists and the kind of the moderate atheists whether they should be out there in your face and that sort of thing. And I, and I think they perform a valuable service because usually people are telling atheists, you know, sit down, shut up, we don't want to hear you. The exact same thing uh, that they were telling gays. You know, yeah. you guys, if you get to be quiet, we can't tell you're gay. So just, just don't shove it yeah. in my face, right? Just be quiet. Yeah. You know, wait, it's not time yet. And I say uh, it, it's past time. Yeah. Well, you heard about the atheists in the UK that put signs all over the buses? Yes. Yes, that yes. entertained me, A actually. bus driver quit over it. Did he? I didn't hear that. But then did you hear some Christians came back and did their own signs? And um, I was of the mind that they, they were so certain in saying God believed that, that God exists. And I'm like, you know, I think it would have been better to say, well, I, I believe this instead of coming across so arrogantly sure of yourself and i but i think that they did have a, the the atheists had a right i think that i think it's good to talk about these things it's like people are saying it's good that i'm getting the topic of of homosexuality and christianity out there and talking about it with conservatives and that it's it needs to be talked about i think it um maybe some people will find that well yeah maybe i am an atheist or maybe it'll help them reaffirm for themselves their faith in a new, see it in a new light. I think there's nothing wrong with having conversations with people and you can point out the, the positive and the negatives and cause there's going to be positive and negatives to everything. And Absolutely. so I, 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 I think it's healthy to talk about it. I think it's all about getting a place at the table. Yeah. yeah. I think we just need a place at the table and, and the more it's talked about and the more it's discussed yeah. uh, on both sides. Um, you know, if, yeah. if we find answers, because you guys brought up something, I think, you did Adele that, that I had never heard before, and this is about the uh, Paul and Romans talking about um, that like temple prostitution or sleeping mm -hmm. with the priest as opposed mm -hmm. to general homosexuality. General homosexuality. I, I had um, never even heard that myself. Right. So it goes both ways. It's enlightening to to get this stuff, and that's something I probably never would have heard of. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, and I think when you can have mature adult conversations like this. And you don't have to agree about everything, but I think that as long as people are open enough to have them, I think that's that's healthy and that's good and it's needed. It's when you have fundamentalists on either side of any stripe that is so doggone held down in their beliefs that you know I, they're not open to have a conversation and they, they've got it all figured out. Then, then you can't have a conversation with someone like that. And that may be the problem because Leighton is neither mature nor an adult. Excuse me, I was about to stop the <laughs> podcast and say I, we have proof that Adele thinks we're mature, although Peter, who we had on with Adele, pointed out on our website that we're like a couple of frat boys making fart jokes. I would have to say that... Did he say that? Yeah, <laughs> he did actually. It was pretty entertaining. But it was a, I think it was more of a compliment rather than... Yeah. yeah, he's a complimentary dude. Yeah. Um, it was entertaining for both of us, but we have proof now that we are mature. I would like to say that, uh, talking about fraternities, that um, paying in order to maintain your friendship and having secret handshakes actually sounds more like Mormonism than it does. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's a big fraternity, one big fraternity, huh? It is. You pay tithing yeah. and you go to the temple and they teach you your secret heavenly name and they teach you the secret handshake to get into heaven. Wow. Yeah, I, wow. I barely found out about that when we were going skiing and uh, Charlie has a friend whose dad went through the temple, learned about the secret handshake, and then walked away. <laughs> yeah, he thought it was that, that was pretty stupid. <laughs> It sounds like um, what's what was the the thing that um, George Washington was a part of? Um, oh, the, the Masons. 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 That's what it kind of yes, reminds yes. me of. Joseph Smith was a Mason. Was he? Okay. He was. And if you visit the temple, there are a lot of Masonic simple symbols uh, on the outside of the temple. Who knows what's on the inside because they won't let us in. Yeah. Oh uh, man. From what I understand, there's uh, I had a, a chemistry teacher once, loved her to death. I don't think I should say her name, but. Anyway, uh, loved her to death, and she it's said... Right. we only have about six listeners. Oh, well, in that case, hopefully she's <laughs> one of them, because I wouldn't mind getting back in touch with her. But, uh, no, you had she... a big crush on this lady. No, 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 we went and played paintball together. She was awesome. Yeah. Anyway, but she went to Egypt, and she actually studied in Egypt, and she said as she was walking through uh, some of these pyramids that she was seeing some hieroglyphics that were in the temples, in the Mormon temples. And that she wow. was actually kind of going, oh, maybe we should cover these up and things because they were so sacred to her. And so, uh, I mean, with these Masonic symbols and these, uh, these Egyptian symbols, we know they're drawn around the temple and in it. And it just kind of fascinates me. It makes me wonder what book they were copying these from. Was it the hypercephalus? That, that, is, that is painful. She believes that the Book of Mormon symbols predated the Egyptian symbols? She believes like the Egyptians stole them from... Wow. Wow. She's a chemistry professor. Yeah. That's, wow. In fact, that she, blows my mind. Yeah, she actually came up with a drug that cured a particular type of cancer. I can't even remember what it was. So, I mean, this is, oh, not, wow. this is not a stupid woman by any means. She was actually very intelligent, but this is actually a comment that she made uh, in my uh, senior year in high school when I was going through her chemistry class. Wow. You're killing me. <laughs> I'm just bringing forth facts. It doesn't wow. matter to me what it does to me. I you. can excuse Chris Butters on the grounds of sheer stupidity. <laughs> I mean, if you have a, um, if you have a chemistry, a degree in chemistry, did you need to have a degree to teach high school? No, probably not. Well, I th you need at least a bachelor's, if I'm not mistaken. In chemistry or education? Uh, bachelor's period. They were trying to get me after I got out of the military to. Uh, to uh, go to uh, some sort of teaching degree, but uh, you needed a bachelor's. I mean, I can see where Chris Butters is coming from because the guy is an absolute moron. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for this lady to, to hold, well... Well, I really uh, think it comes down to... We're it. really good at compartmentalizing stuff. We keep yeah, one... Yeah, you know, and what religion can do to people. And exactly, and Adele, I'm, I'm, you even discussed it. You had the same problem where you were raised with these beliefs and it took you a very long time and a lot of questioning to actually break away from some of your childhood beliefs. And I think this is the same thing with her. Is she yeah. was raised in this and True. she hasn't just put in the questioning is all it is. Yeah, yeah. I finally was like, things inside I was questioning. I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense or this contradicts that and... But, you know, to verbalize that outside around the people you're with, you fear, you know, thinking you're crazy or they reject you, yeah. you know, yeah. you don't say anything. So ostracism. Yeah. yeah, ostracism. It's it's horrible. And um, was it you, Leighton, that was talking on the last podcast we did about um, something about um, 
with with Egyptians? You've studied Egyptology, or yeah. Well, both of us have actually. We, we're both fascinated by uh, Greek and Egyptology. Okay, because I was I'm reading an interesting book right now by a guy. He's um, a former evangelical. He's still a Christian. And he's an anthropologist, and he's gay. And um, he's going through in this book, laying out all the beliefs that um, evangelical Christians believe. And he's talking about, you know, like creation and all that. And he was talking about Egyptology in there, and it made me think of you. And it's a fascinating book. He's not like slamming the evangelicals. He's just presenting the material and and um, what what they believe, where where they're coming from when they say things. And um, and it's it's interesting because I'm learning. The the it's like I'm fitting pieces together as to what I used to believe and why and why my why I came out. You know what I'm saying? It so it's it's piecing things together for me because I would just believe things because that's what I was told and not I didn't necessarily know the whys behind it. So no, was he piecing together like the uh, the similarities between some of Egyptian uh, religion and uh, modern day religion? Is that what you were saying? No, he was saying how some of how they believe things and trying to believe a literal Bible. It just wouldn't have made sense because of the way things were in Egyptian culture, how they happened like before or or and that they borrowed. It looked like they borrowed from these cultures when the things were written in the Bible, if I remember correctly. They yeah. certainly did. They, they yes, borrowed, they really did. Um, in fact, yeah, quite a bit from Babylonian mythology as well. I mean, the, yeah, the, it's the, fascinating. It is. Yeah, I think they um, the Hebrews were pretty free in um, taking stuff from other cultures and incorporating it into their own mythology. I, I think they were almost shameless about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. they really were, and if, if really people care. actually, I mean, this is one of the reasons that that turned me away from religion entirely is. I would study back to these uh, these previous cultures, and I would actually see where they would take something from this paganistic culture as they were looking at it, and incorporate it into their own beliefs. And I would sit there and think, well, how is it God is standing up there, and he needs to borrow from another nation to put into his own scriptures? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so well, it, it, it is fascinating, and it's like, and where they're trying to get out of, you know, a literal... Um, translation and what what he was saying in the book is that you know for I forget how many years um, it was an oral culture you know and so then all these years then when they finally learned to write and write things down how many hundreds or thousands of years had passed you know and how could they remember you know everything and you know I think about the childhood game playing telephone you know you start at one end and by the time it gets to the other end it, it, orally, it gets it gets lost in translation. So absolutely, and that's um, one of the things about the New Testament. Also, is that, that there was at least about forty years of uh, that yeah, telephone. Forty game. to seventy years. No, there, there are parts in the New Testament where you wonder, how did anyone get this? When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and all the yeah. apostles were asleep, and he bled from every pore. Well, yep. who, who was watching that? All the apostles were asleep. Now, curious, do you, uh, Adele, believe in uh, the literal translation of the New Testament? Because that was at a time when they actually were able to write things down. No, not everything. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, parable in there. There's a lot of metaphor. Um, like, I don't believe in, um, in uh, like, a literal burning fire hell anymore like I used to. I think Jesus was referring, you know, to Gehenna, the trash dump in... Um, there and I, I so no there's not everything and I, 
I don't have to believe everything literally for there to be truth in something or for, you know, it to uh, make or break my religion. I, I, I just don't. So could I be wrong? Sure. Like I've said before, but I just don't look at everything as literal. And um, some of the things I think were, you know, that happened, I'm, I'm sure. And But, you know, there's a lot of um, things that uh, I think even when you write things down, there's always, there's the person who wrote it, their perspective, um, you know, how they perceive things, but then there's how, there's different views, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, 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 I agree. Now, before we close this podcast up, I want to know um, your perspective about Christianity as a whole and your uh, role in kind of getting Christians together to um, uh, move the, the kind of gay rights movement forward. Because I think since we live in a country that has, what, 76% Christians? Yeah. That the change is, is going to have to come from Christians. They can kind of yeah. poo-poo the atheists and just tell, you know, we're card-carrying ACLU member, atheist liberals, but I think it's going to have to come from the Christians. So, so kind of tell us about that. Well, I think um, it's going to come. There are a lot of um, supportive Christians out there of of the gay gays and gay movement, which has really been great, and um, trying to um, galvanize that because we need because we are a minority. We're going to need um, straight allies, and I think if you can find, you know, part of why I started Queer Emergent is trying to further that conversation along, and um, get people who might be on the fence or might be open to reconsidering their thoughts on it. That's kind of how I kind of see where I'm at right now with, with doing that. My, my part. What can we do to help further things along? Well, first I thank you for having the conversation with me and also, um, being involved, like, um, I think helping that would help by, uh, reading, um, blogs of gay folks, um, being involved with organizations like the Human Rights Campaign, HRC in D.C., like I fill out a lot of, um, I sign a lot of petitions with them that go they they take to Congress, calling your Congress people, um, telling them you know you want to see rights for gay people, just um, like because I think the Matthew Shepard Act is one. There's ENDA, which is the Employment Non Discrimination Act, which would be federal legislation that you know you can't discriminate based on sexual orientation. Um, and just um, educating yourselves on that, and uh, and then talking about it with other people. So, fantastic. Well, I think yeah. um, uh, you've inspired me to call Chris Butters up and tell him that I want. I think his constituent. I think we should have a conference call, and we should actually record this. <laughs> yeah, yeah that would be awesome. Excellent. I'm down for it. You got any uh, last comments, Layton? Uh, none that should be heard aloud over the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the only people I can talk about, Charlie's my only friend, so I, I, I guess <laughs> I'll convince him of gay rights. That is true. I'm... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, well, thank You've got you very Quite a road to hoe ahead of you because I really think that it's an abomination. And, um, and that the world is Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Uh, not, not too well. Could you explain the story to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on with us this week, Cadell. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.